Who's ever felt an excitement in the air? That uh, could be before your wedding day. Um, it could be maybe when you fell in love for the first time. There's, there's something there. It's like, it's almost tangible. And I, I love that even the words that Star brought this morning. And we, we are moving forward as a church. There's something exciting happening. I'm just hearing testimonies of lives changed week after week, marriages. And with that, you're going to have a few tough times, but that's, it kind of goes all together. You know what I mean? But we are seeing God move. There's an excitement in there. There's something over the city. Um, I, I've been speaking to a friend of mine who leads another church in the city, and it's, they're quite a lot larger than us. They've been going for about six years longer than us. And uh, he just said it's amazing to see how many visitors they've had in the first few weeks. And for us, it's been the same. I think that maybe, if, without exaggeration, 40, 40 new visitors over the past few weeks. That's since the beginning of the year. I mean, that is, that is really amazing. God, God is on the move. God is so desperate for people to get to know him that he somehow sends people to an odd little warehouse in the middle of Alcuz where you have to almost know a secret code to get inside. And then it's, and you've got this community that's in love with Jesus. And I think as a community, if we start opening our arms and opening our hearts, God, God wants to do something incredible amongst us. It's about making room for him. God speak this word to me on the 23rd of December last year. Sat down at Starla's parents' home, sitting outside. It's raining, which was really nice. There was only two days of rain this year, which is quite sad, actually. I was hoping for, you know, you normally have that week of rain in Dubai. There was only two days, and it's already summer. I don't know if you guys are feeling it. And I'm not, com- I just confessed it, but I, I take away that confession. Um, it's, uh, it's not summer yet. Okay, but... Uh, so I felt God speak this word to me and just really drop my heart. Just say, prepare us as a people for what God wants to do. And I really felt to just start reading through Acts again. I only got to Acts 2 because God spoke so much in that. So I won't have time to go through all of what God has spoken, but I've got a few highlights out of Acts 1 and 2. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to be reading through different things. It's also going to be up on the board. We are entering into a new season. We are in it. Not we are entering, we are in a new season. God is doing something new. Uh, it's, sometimes we, we take so long to catch on that even in Isaiah it says, can't you see that I'm, I'm already doing something new? I'm already, we are already in it. And I think we, we've, putting a whole, we've been spending a lot of time, even with Brett, he's helping us put a, quite a lot of structural things in, in place for the church. We've got a new open lounges, which I'm going to share again at the end. We need to get people involved. This, this seems we, we're preparing ourselves for this continued growth so no one can get lost. Jesus' prayer uh, to his father, in, I think it's in, between John and 14 and 16, it says that none should be lost. And that is the heart for me as a pastor, is that anyone who comes in here, whether they know Jesus or not, they will get to know Jesus. But none should be lost. Everyone should walk into the inheritance that is predetermined before the world began. All of you sitting here, God had you in his mind before the world began. Just, just think about that. He had you in his mind. He had, he had you, that you'd be sitting here today, you'd be, that you'd be finding Jesus whenever you found Jesus or maybe you're going to find Jesus today. Jesus is looking for you. And I really just, again, just want to look at uh, some simple texts and just shape our lives around this, this word of God. So Acts 2.42, you don't have to turn there, but we're not, I'm not going to read it yet. But that is a model for the, for the church. As a, ch- as a church planter and a leader of people, when I look at that, which we're going to look through at the end, it's, it's something that I aspire to. When people are devoted to the Word of God, devoted to the miraculous, devoted to, to, to radical generosity, I think we've got something right. And I think, even in, honestly, I'm so proud 
of this church. Over the past, Stana, we were looking again at photos of when we were sweeping up uh, on, the, on probably about the 8th of July last year, sweeping up this place. Everyone's sweating. It's, we, we, like, we, we walked through something as a church that I, I said to Star last night, no one's going to forget. 10, 15 years' time, wherever you find yourself, because generally most of us don't stay there that long, wherever you find yourself, you're going to look back on that moment and say, wow, we were actually a New Testament church. We were part of it. We were part of something that is pioneering and changing the city. I think what, what an absolute privilege that, that we have to take part of this. So, Acts is written by Luke. He's a doctor. He's writing to Theopolis, which is a lawyer that is um, basically the, the defense lawyer for Paul. Paul's on trial. And uh, he's, 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 he's giving him a whole bunch of reasons. So he starts in Luke. He, re, he kind of gives the whole account of Luke. And then he starts in Acts, which really is the birth of the church. He had Jesus come. He's died. He, he was resurrected from the dead. The Bible says that he spent 40 days preaching the kingdom of God. Then the power of God came, and then the rest is history. The world was changed after that. So I've got uh, five Ps. I've never done like a P thing or an S thing. It just happened naturally, which is awesome. Okay. So um, what we're trying to build is a culture of sustained revival. There's, I'm going to mention a few revivals later in history, but there really were pockets in history where God sovereignly moved. And I, we sang the song, and I think that is the anthem for the church at the moment. We are your revival. We are the revival of God. If our hearts are revived, we bring the revival of God to, 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 the city, to this city, to our workplace. We are the conduit of God's love to people. We are, we are, we are a representation of heaven. We, the Bible says that we are ambassadors, which means we're carrying an assignment from another world to this world to see this world changed. We, it's every single one of us sitting here has that responsibility. We, no one is exempt. We're all called part of it. So first, let's turn to Acts 1, verse 1. Jesus leaves an instruction and a promise. I'm going to read it. It says, In my former book, Theopolis, that's the, the lawyer, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. So I love that. Jesus never just taught. And a lot of modern day church is just about teaching. Teaching is good and is needed. And if we don't have teaching, we're going to go off stray. And I think we need to go through books and we need to understand theology. And that needs to be, be in deep us. In, so deep within us. But Jesus did and he taught. Jesus was perfect theology. Perfect theology is found in Jesus Christ. He taught, and I love that Jesus' sermons were never long. And he actually hardly preached many sermons. A lot of it was just teaching to his disciples as they walked along. His longest sermon was Sermon on the Mount. I think you can read through it in about 20 minutes. So preachers who preach for an hour, we need to follow Jesus' example. He got a lot said in 20 minutes. Uh, he began to do and teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And we, we taught on this at uh, Answers to Big Questions. There's the fact, the, the answer, uh, Jesus, sorry, the early, early uh, apostles, early teachers, they, they knew that Jesus was resurrected from the dead because you can actually go verify the account with them. So he would meet with Peter and say, I'm alive, etc. I don't know if I explained that well. Anyway. After his suffering, he presented himself. Uh, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. It's amazing how in the Bible there's always pockets of 40. There's, there's a significant moment where Jesus spent 40 days teaching. He says, listen, can you know that I'm resurrected? The power of God is about to come, but I need to teach you of what this kingdom of God 
is going to look like. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the first point is promise. P. Promise. Jesus leaves us an instruction and a promise. Jesus created expectation in his disciples' hearts that something is about to go down. And can I tell you that even, it's, it's, not, it's not by chance that Keir Taylor is coming next week, who is an evangelist, who operates in the supernatural. We need to get ourselves ready. There, there's an, if we come next week expecting to hear from God, expecting to be touched by God, He's going to come and meet that. If we come and we've, we haven't even thought about the week, we've just been so drained under, we've kind of, we've, we're dealing with all the sin and the stuff that we've, we've had to deal with in the week, we get you on a Friday and it's like, okay, what's happening and if we sit with our arms folded, God, God is not... Sorry, Romeo, arms are folded, but that means nothing. Don't worry. Um, I just saw that in the corner of my eyes as I said it. But um, if we come and we, we're not expecting or we're actually a bit wary of what God wants to do, that He actually is God and He can do whatever He wants to do, we're not going to receive from Him. And I, can I say that this week, can we just prepare our hearts for God to move? Let, let next week be like a catalyst that that sets something in motion. I, I used to surf not very well, um, actually shockingly. I, I, I came second last in a con- competition. Girls and guys surfing. and The only person I beat was a girl who didn't catch a wave. So surfing wasn't my thing. Um, I just kind of just paddled in the water. I was, grew up inland, and when you go down to the coast, you're not really used to what goes down. You just get smashed all the time. And um, Anyway. I don't know why. Okay, the reason I'm telling you this, I used to try fix my own surfboard, and I read instructions on it, and that was before Google, okay? That just shows how old I am. And uh, so I would be like, I find, somehow I found some instruction on how to actually put um, resin on the surfboard. You have the resin, and you put the catalyst in, and it hardens up the resin. And that, for me, is always stuck in my head what a catalyst is. It's just, it's a little drop that you put in a bit of resin, and, and the whole resin stiffens up. And I'm trusting that that in this coming week, we, that's, that there's a moment in our lives where there's a catalyst moment. And it'll come if we're expecting God to move. If we're expecting to say, Jesus, I'm coming next week on Wednesday night. And can I say, I, I wanted to say this a few weeks ago, this, we have to learn how to, put, to kingdom prioritize our diaries. That we put in, like this coming week, as a church, we're spending a lot of money getting people out here. And it's not for Stahl and I so we can have a chat with them. It's for you guys to benefit from this gift that is coming into the local church. Rearrange your diaries. If there's a, if there's a kid's party, do you know what? There's going to be a million kids' parties. If there's, you need to go out with your mates, that's going to happen a million times. Can we just prioritize Wednesday uh, and Friday and Saturday to be there and to just receive what? Because it's going to be a changing and defining moment in our church. We need to learn to, to reorientate everything around Jesus Christ. Um, so, there's the promise and the instruction. The second thing is prayer. Acts 2 says, When Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Jesus says they must wait, which means they were waiting in this upper room and they were tarrying. There's this, there's this ancient thing, word, that is called tarrying, which means to just wait on God. And sometimes I think we, we live in such a, a world that we want things right now. We don't have the patience and so often prayer is, is, about, is about just waiting on God and saying, God, I know the promise is coming. I know the promise is coming. And I remember someone speaking about this and they said, can you imagine the disciples on a, you had a, you had a you had Friday, Jesus 
died on the cross. Then there's the, and we know that Jesus is going to rise again, but there must have been a little bit of doubt within the disciples' hearts saying, you've got the whole day Saturday, you're waiting, you're waiting. Is God going to come? Is God going to come? And then Jesus obviously resurrected on the third day. A lot of them didn't believe. They actually had to stick their fingers inside like doubting Thomas, which is probably a lot of us if, we, if we're honest about it. And um, we wait on God. Leonard Ravenhill says this, No man is greater than his prayer life. Who's read any Leonard Ravenhill? Do yourself a favor, it'll change your life. It'll convict you to the core. No man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are straying. We have many organizers but few agonizers. Many players players and payers but few prayers. Many singers, few clingers. Lots of pastors, few wrestlers, many fears, many tears, much fashion, little passion. And there's a move in, 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 the, in the church that I've seen around the world, especially in the Western church, where it's, it's about being cool and where kind of the level is cool and being relevant is more important than actually Jesus Christ. So I'm not saying dress cool, whatever, just but Jesus Christ is the point. Um, he says, there are many writers but few fighters. Failing here, we fail everywhere. A man may study because his brain is hungry for knowledge, even Bible knowledge, but he prays because his soul is hungry for God. And I started last, last week and said, how hungry are you for Jesus? How much do you want him in your life? How much do you want the change of God in your life? Another Leonard Ravenel quote, he says this, you can't live wrong and pray right. You can't live wrong and pray right. And that's so often, I think, there's a verse, I've got it here somewhere. It says 1 Peter 3, 7. Basically, you can write that down, but basically it says this. Men, if you're treating your wives badly, your prayers are hindered. It's just like, it's honestly, you're praying up to a brass ceiling and it's bouncing back. But if, it, your life has to match up so you can speak to God. And I know it's all by grace and Jesus made the way and all that stuff. That, that, that is a given. But if we intentionally are disobeying the word, intentionally sinning, and intentionally, and we come back to God, God, there's, there's a hindering in our prayers. It's because we are creating this barrier. God never creates the barrier. So we had number one, promise. Number two, prayer. Number three, power. I want to just, uh, okay, before you put that video on, I want to just read, can we read Acts 2, 2 verse 2? Then suddenly a sound of a blowing and violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house that they were sitting. They, they, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Can we put that uh, very loud if we can? This is wind.
felt like a bit of a God moment there. Wow. Imagine we're having a prayer meeting. And that happens. Because that's what happened. It was it said a mighty, a mighty rushing wind, which may have been way more than what we heard there. A mighty rushing wind came from heaven. There, were, there was a sound from heaven that, that rushed over the people. And I think we, for Western church in particular, has taken the mystery out of the gospel. And has taken the mystery out of God actually coming and doing some miraculous stuff amongst us. If we are not expecting and we're not praying, we're not going to see the power of God come. God wants to visit His people. The gift, the Bible says that we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift from above. It's a gift from heaven. It's not deserved. We receive it. And can I say that this coming week, let's be ready to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Even after this meeting, I'm going to give a moment where we just wait, where we tarry. We say, God, would you come? We need your power. Because we're going to carry on playing church. Sorry, this has got a little hum to it. We're going to carry on playing church and just going to church and getting involved in all these things and we're going to, we're going to deny the power of God. We're going to say, well, you know, like, I remember someone saying, said, how many churches in, in this world, if the Holy Spirit left, would just carry on being the same the very next day? I thought, God, let it never be the same for us. Because if we want to change the city, if we want to see actual people delivered of oppression and delivered of demonic strongholds and and lives radically changed, we need the power of God in our lives. There's an amazing moment. God's God's timing is absolutely perfect. You You had 50 days always between Passover and Pentecost. Okay, These are Jewish festivals. So you've heard of Pentecostal Christians. We, we would probably consider ourselves as being part of that. We believe in Pentecost. We believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the empowering of the Holy Spirit. We believe in word and spirit. And uh, there, were, there were 50 days. So basically you had, um, you had Passover. 50 days later you had, you had um, Pentecost, which was a celebration of the wheat harvest. Now here's the amazing thing. Jesus represents, he is the Passover lamb. In the Old Testament they used to... Uh, it was, there was a, in Egypt, the, the angel of death was about to pass over. Moses said to everyone, pit blood across your doorposts, and then the angel of death will pass over. And, uh, and then those who don't, their firstborn son died. And uh, bringing that to, to Jesus, Jesus was the sacrificial lamb, died in our place. Uh, so the Jewish people every year would celebrate those two days. Jesus died at the same time as Passover. Fifty days later, the Holy Spirit comes. Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is poured out on the church. People's lives are radically changed. And the amazing thing is that it's, that it's a celebration of a wheat harvest. Is that the, the power of God comes upon Peter, he preaches boldly, and 3,000 people were saved. There's a harvest of people, and it's directly linked. And if we want to see a harvest in this city, we want to see thousands upon thousands of lives changed, we have to seek for the Father. As a people of God, we have to seek Jesus. We have to say, Holy Spirit, I need more of you in my life than anything else. Than absolutely anything else, I need more of Jesus Christ. More of the Holy Spirit. There's been a couple of revivals in history. There's the Welsh revival, which I think I've mentioned before. But 100,000 people were saved in about a year. Considering the population of Wales was probably only a couple of hundred thousand. 100,000 people saved. Imagine 100,000 people saved in Dubai in six months. The city's going to look different. The clubs are going to close down. The, the uh, Barasti's going to close down. 
because there's not enough people to serve and everyone just get hammered. This, if we see truly are we seeking God and we're seeking revival, it's going, the city is going to look different. And that's what I'm always after. I'm after that. I see that in my mind always. I don't see a little cozy church where we can kind of all rub each other's backs and that kind of... I see us being on mission and seeing thousands saved. Um, who's heard of Jeremiah Lampier? Okay. You guys need to learn some revival history. Uh, so I'm teaching you. Okay. He's a businessman, not a pastor, not a deacon, uh, not a lay preacher. A businessman starts having prayer meetings in New York and I think 18... 1850, 1860, around there. In a matter of six months in New York City, now consider New York, New York City at that stage was only 800,000 people. It's a couple of million now. But 50,000 people were saved because of these prayer meetings. He started these prayer meetings, and day after day, they'd have up to 6,000 people at these prayer meetings, which eventually spent, spread across to major cities across the states. Thousands upon thousands. So you, you're sitting there, and you say, okay, what can I do? I'm a businessman. I'm just... I'm just a businessman. Here, Jeremiah Lampier saw revival break out. Start a prayer meeting. I mean, that's obviously his pattern. God will give you a pattern. He'll give you something to do. But we are not called to, to not everyone, we call to be filled up here, changed here, get involved here, but we're called to be sent out into the world. We're called to, to see thousands of people. That is, that is the plan and purpose of God. And I think God wants to do something special over Dubai where the world is going to look and is going to marvel. And he said, you know what, this, this, the church is on the rise. And it's going to take when every single person realizes that we have a part to play. There's a modern-day revival happening right now in China. 30,000 people, they say, are getting saved every day. 30,000. In America, if you have a church over 10,000 or 5,000, you're considered a mega church. You get asked to speak everywhere. There's revival breaking out. In China, there's no megachurch pastors. There's a movement where sometimes teenagers are leading these movements. And it's not about the person, but it's about the gospel. It's about the Holy Spirit. They, they tarry. They wait. The, the videos that I've seen, they actually they cry out to God. say, God, would you come and heal our city? They actually believe that God can come and do it. That God's hand is not short, too short to save. And they're seeing 30,000 saved. I mean, that's, that's an incredible, incredible, incredible move of God. And I want us to lift our faith to see that here. Number four, proclamation. I won't speak long on that, but, but Peter gets up. Considering a few days before, he denies Christ three times. He was timid. They said, aren't you the guy that was hanging out with Jesus for all those years? Aren't you his friend? Aren't you his follower? Aren't you one of his leaders? And, and he denies Christ three times. He gets up and he boldly proclaims. I think I've got it written here. Then Peter stood up with 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. 3,000 were saved. The church was birthed through a timid man who denied Jesus. And I think some of us look around and think, do I need to have like a whole bunch of pedigree, a bunch of degrees, or do something before I can actually count for God. All you need is a relationship with Jesus. All you need is the grace of God over your lives. All you need is the Holy Spirit's power in and through you that can, that can build something inside of you. But you can stand up and see thousands saved. He preached one thing, and I think, I want you to read this, Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That we need to believe, and we can stake our life on it. That we're living in a time 
where truth is so subjective and there's so many different versions of the truth, we have to be convinced that Jesus is the only way. That the only way to the Father, the only way to be saved, the only way that we're going to spend eternity with Him is to believe in Jesus Christ, His death, His burial, and His resurrection. That He defeated death once and for all. So I'm just skipping out a few things. Um, and I think when, this, when all those things have happened, you've had the promise, you've had prayer, you've had the power of God, Pentecost come, you've had someone who's proclaimed the gospel, which is the gospel, we need to be able to explain that to our friends, but it's, go look at 1 Corinthians 15, but it basically just speaks about that Jesus lived as 100% man, he died on the cross for us in our place, he took the sin of the world upon himself, that, that through belief in him, we are saved. Belief that Jesus d- defeated death on the cross. And it's a simple thing. And through that simple act of faith and the act of believing, we have our passageway to heaven. That is the only way. We need to be convinced. I think we, we do live in a time when so many people are saying different things about how you can get to heaven. Or there's, and then there's, a, there's the new atheist move where people are very anti-God, and, uh, which for me is quite, kind of weird that in order to be atheist, there has to be a God. So anyway, th- they've kind of missed it a little bit there. Um, the proclamation of the gospel. And then from that place, our priorities change. And I just want to spend the last couple of minutes just looking at Acts 2.42. So can we put that up? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching for us is this. It's the Word of God. It's the Bible plus nothing. It's the Bible minus nothing. I learned that early on in my Christianity. That what we do and what we're involved in uh, and what we see God do miraculously we have to be able to back it up with Scripture, or at least see something of it in Scripture. And uh, there's some crazy stuff that went down in the New Testament. Philip, preaching to one guy, gets sucked away, gets preached to another person. There was, there was like, he just, just happened. Then uh, this Acts 2 passage that I read, that, that people thought that they were drunk because they stumbled out of the building. And I think when, when, when you have to realize when, when heaven, t- which is supernatural, the, the God who is in our unapproachable light comes and invades our space. It's gonna, we, we're going to react. There's some t- I, I, honestly, I'm not one of those reactors who shake and back. Um, I, I, it may happen to you, but sometimes it's just, sometimes just a sense of God come upon me. Um, I, I've been, I've been uh, the, the Spirit of God has changed me. I've had moments where I have lay on the floor. Those, those, are, those are good times, but I think in our mind, if we're blocking it off, and we're blocking what God actually wants to do, we're not going to see that in our own lives. I think we need to look again at renewed mind and look at the Word of God. That if it happened in Acts 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, up to Acts 28, where people were continually filled with the Holy Spirit, demons were delivered, lives were changed, why would God change His strategy 2,000 years later? Why would it become now an intellectual gospel? Where it's always been about the power of God. It's the power of the gospel comes and changes us completely. So our priorities change. The gospel was so radical that the, there's this word devoted that they devoted themselves around the Word of God. I've been reading article after article this week, which is quite sad, how the church, even the traditional church, is shifting away from traditional teachings. The virgin birth, the whole talk about sexuality, which I won't even get onto now, uh, that you have a whole bunch of uh, gay pastors and all this stuff. And the thing is, it's like, do we understand that there, is this, that there is this word, whether we like it or not, there's a word of God that is real, that is true, that, that it's a manual from heaven for us to live by. It's sometimes not comfortable. I, I was reading something the other day, I can't remember what it was, 
But I was like, God, I don't like that. I don't like that, that it says that there. And I was like, and almost like, God didn't even have to say this to me. I was like, well, I don't care if you like it or not. It's obedience. And there's a blessing that comes from obedience. Because the thing is, we, we don't have the mind of God. We don't understand His ways. But when we get into the Word of God and we, just, we obey and we, we live it out in our lives, everything looks different. So, there's some, in inverted commas, pastors that are even questioning whether hell exists or not. And they're like, well, God is so good that surely He's not going to send uh, someone who believes in another religion to hell. Surely He's going to look at their heart. And it's not about that. Because if it was by our own works, then some of us would actually get to heaven. We could boast that we've actually made it. But Jesus was the... It's the no other religion has someone that stood in the place for their sin. Not one other religion. Everything's about us working our way to God, doing stuff to please Him. With Christianity, Jesus did everything. He pleased the Father completely, and He stood in our place. Okay, I'm getting onto too many things. Um, the second thing they, commuted, they committed themselves to, apostles' teaching and to fellowship, that is community. The community of God is what is going to change this planet. I, 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 was, I was listening to, I can't remember what it was, but this guy said one line, and he wasn't even emphasizing it. He says, the church is God's family. That's, and let's just think about that. Ram, I'm going to get you to stand up again. Ram and Nushi and Tiana and Chanel, you are part of the family. You're not a daughter. You're your sister. But you have, we, 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 we spend time with Ram in his home, but if, I said he sits on the couch and he's got his daughter, he's got Rian and Ariel, those are his kids, he's got his wife. And Chanel is now part of the family, well, always has been, but now lives in. There's, there's this family that is part of Rom's covering. It's, it's in his home. And I thought, that is such an amazing picture for me, how we are the family of God. That God wants to chill with us in the lounge. That God wants to hang out with us. You guys can sit down. Thank you. Just thought I'd bring it up randomly anyway. What an amazing, amazing thing that, that God wants to spend time with us. 1 Peter 2 verse 5, it says, You yourselves are like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to Christ, to Jesus Christ. Uh, but, and then verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. You are God's precious. You are, God has your back. He will fight for you. He stand, when, when you are going through pain, God is alongside you. He doesn't take his hands off. He's like, well, I'm going to teach you a lesson. He's crying with you. He's walking with you as you walk through stuff. They had reverence. It says, can we put that verse up again? It says they break bread together, which is it's a good thing we do every now and then. Uh, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. There was an awe of God. There was a reverence to God. There was the miraculous breaking out. Uh, there was radical generosity. It says all the believers who were together had everything in common. They sold the property and possessions to give anyone who had need. There was radical generosity. There was worship, which we see at the end. It says they had glad, glad hearts, and they praised God. And there was salvation. It says God added to their number those who were being da- daily those who were being saved. And I think this for me is a picture that we can't. I can't spend a lot of time on today, but. Can you go read Acts 2, 42 and 47 and say, God, that is, that is a community that is on fire. 
Because it looks like something. Love looks like something in this community. It says, the Bible says that we'll know, the, the world will know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. So we need to get this right. We need to get community, unity, not, not gossip, not backstabbing, whatever it is. We need to get this right, that there's a community with us. And the world is going to look on and say, I can see that Jesus is real. Because how does this work? How does a community that doesn't really have a, a, a head or um, a, a special uh, kind of head office somewhere in the world, but it just works and functions amazingly well. This is the people of God. I'm done. Can we all stand quickly? And then we're going to sit down again, just so you can have a quick break. I'm going to just talk about sign up. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, that you've changed us. Lord God, we, we, I pray that um, even this past few weeks has really just been a laying in of culture, a laying in of, um, of, of who we are as a people. Lord, and I pray for this. I pray that we would be this Acts 242 community where we're devoted to fellowship. We're devoted to the Word of God. We're devoted to the miraculous. We're devoted to things that you are devoted to and not our own agenda. Father, I pray for your Spirit of God to come and rest on every single person here. Lord God, even as we we wait in anticipation, care is is just a, a vessel that is carrying a gift for us to live in. Father, I pray that, that, this, that this week we'd prepare our hearts radically in Jesus' name. Amen.